you're never going to sell everybody. When you're young in business, mentality-wise, I'm not talking age-wise, mentality-wise, you think you have to be everything to everybody. The older and wiser you get in business, you go, you actually get good and you don't want to work with people. It's like, no, I don't want to have you as a client. Like, I don't even want to work with you. And when you can get there with your mentality, then you really start succeeding because you know who you are. You know the value you bring to the table. You know what you want to represent. And if it's controversial because of that, then I'm all for it. Go for it. Welcome back to the Started Somewhere podcast. I'm your host, Ross Alex. Now, today, my friends, we're on episode number 20, and I have a rock star marketing expert joining us all the way from King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, and his name is Luke Acri. Now, Luke is currently the president of Reminder Media, where he helps tens of thousands of clients improve their marketing campaigns and reach more customers. It wasn't always like that for Luke, though. In fact, he started way back in college, his first company, which was called Nextmark Design. That's where he discovered his true passion for sales and marketing. Now, Luke has been absolutely crushing it. And in this episode, he talks about how to build a sales team, how to keep company culture, how to scale your operation. You see, his company has grown from just 40 employees to 220 employees. Get ready as Luke shares with us his exact blueprint to building a company of that size. And of course, the ups, the downs, the challenges, and the juicy stuff. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, Luke, welcome to the show, man. Man, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Uh, I'm finding that a lot of people have a lot more time to be on shows like this uh, over the last couple of weeks, right? It's like schedule yeah, is not really a, a difficulty. Uh, Although you can probably see, I mean, I know you said you guys do video for this podcast. You can see I'm in my office. Oh, yeah. It's like my home, man. I'm always I'm always here. So I figured I, I quarantined it. myself in my, my corporate I, I office. I love it, brother. I love it, man. And I love the hoodie too, man. The, the jacket. Stay paid. Yeah, stay paid. Tell us about that, man. What's, yeah, what's that mean to you? Yeah, stay paid is a passion project of mine and my VP of marketing. We have a podcast ourselves, um, all about sales and marketing tips because my company is a marketing company. And what we found was, I mean, we're working with tens of thousands of business owners, but we're giving them all this idea or all these ideas. We're giving them products, but we were struggling to get business owners to really take action. And we were just thinking, what are some more ways we can get people to get inspired enough to where they take action? And that's what led us to going, well, what if we not only do a podcast where we share our journey, but we get on some thought leaders that really share the tips and tricks that have made them be successful. And we try to tie that back in for our clients to things that we're helping them do to just almost like, you know how a lot of times it's like your family won't listen to you because they know you too well. So it's sometimes the same in business, your clients, they hear from you all the time or whatever it is. So sometimes it takes an outside force to also kind of inspire and encourage them. Mm. So the pat, you know, stay paid came out of that. It has been an incredible, I mean, you know, this man having a podcast yourself, podcasts are an incredible networking tool an incredible value add tool is what we've found over the years. Yeah, man. And it's a load of fun, right? To just connect with people and, meet people and you know just it's become like a hobby of mine honestly 
Yeah. I just genuinely enjoy doing it. And I'm super excited to have you on the show and share your story with the audience. Uh, I've been following you on Instagram for quite some time. I'm not really sure how we got connected, but we did get connected. And uh, man, your, 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 your posts really inspire me, man. Because one thing uh, I've noticed about you is you're really big on uh, like company culture and, and team. Yes. And for the listeners out there that don't know you, uh, you're the president of Reminder Media which is a marketing agency. And you know anybody that goes onto your Instagram, non-quarantine, will see like huge team meetings and powwows in the morning, uh, which I think is super awesome, man. So, so tell us about what you're doing. Tell us about Reminder Media. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll give you guys kind of the quick version of my story. So we've been super blessed now. Reminder Media is the company. I have about 220 employees. Oof. And we, worked, we were able to work with about 38,000 small businesses last year which is awesome. It didn't start there. Um, you know, back, I was actually homeschooled growing up. So it's a unique thing about me. I was homeschooled all the way up to college in a family of eight kids. Um, you know, I always laugh because I loved music and that's what I did, man. I thought I was going to be like the next Jonas brothers. I was in a band with my brothers, <laughs> you know, that type of idea or the Hansons or whatever you want to call it. But you know, that wasn't in the stars. So I ended up going to community college because I've always been one of those kids, like, you know, homeschoolers, a lot of them, like my brothers and sisters, especially the ones in front of me, super smart. Like my oldest brother went to college at 15. My sister went to college at 16. I went to college, uh, you know, at normal time, 18. But my mom said to go to community college because I'm a super independent type person. And I ended up going to community college doing an associate's degree in computer like technology. So information technology. And that got me into information technology. And I'd be lying if I said, oh, I got into tech because I wanted to start a company or something like that. I had no idea at the time, but ended up transferring to a four-year university doing computer science. And my brother, Dan, who was the drummer in our band growing up, um, he, he is an incredible designer. So him and I started a company in college called Nextmark Design which was a website design company. So, you know, we were doing graphic design and website designs. And that was my first really intro into business and my first intro into sales. So you'll get to know me probably on this podcast. I freaking love sales and marketing, but yet I went and did computer science in school, which a lot of times tend to be counter um, each other. But that was my first intro. We started selling uh, websites to small churches because my dad was a pastor. We started selling it to mom and pop stores. And it was kind of just the learning of the business. At the same time, you know, my uncle actually had started a company called Reminder Media years before he had Reminder Media. He had uh, about 40 employees at that point. And this will probably be relevant to all the entrepreneurs that are listening to this. Entrepreneurship is a freaking roller coaster, man. And you hit a lot of valleys along your journey. And there's a lot of mountaintops, but you hit a lot of valleys. And he had just reached a point in his life where he was burnt out. He didn't know what that next step was for him and where he wanted to go. And he had really become like a, one of my mentors in what my brother Dan and I were doing with Nextmark Design. And as you know, I say, you know, God kind of brought it together. But, you know, we joined up forces about a decade ago. Uh, where we all came together and said, hey, we're going to you know, join. He was doing mainly print stuff at the time with Reminder Media. And obviously we were doing websites, designs and stuff like that. And so we joined together and man, we've just been so blessed. We've gone from literally you know, like 40 employees to 220 employees. We now work with 38,000 plus small businesses and it's really booming. But over the course, what really 
define kind of our growth is when I came into, you know, this new venture that we're doing with Reminder Media and what's the next phase, what really, you know, my challenge was, was how do we bring sales in? We didn't have an inside sales team at the time. We had traditionally done most of our sales. With Nextmark Design, I was doing it door knocking, going into the grocery store, you know, talking to the church pastors, those type of ideas. And Steve had an outside sales force that was going to offices and trying to sell people. And so my first real challenge was how do I build out a sales team and do we think that we can get people to to close over the phones? And so literally my first day, I picked up a phone, started calling the phone book, as you would say. So started calling real estate agents off the rosters on their websites. And within two hours, I closed somebody over the phone. And I'm not lying, man, when I say like it was in that moment that I knew, holy crap, we can do this. Like we can literally build an army of salespeople pounding the phone all day long and actually sign people up for our marketing products. And so now fast forward, we have about 100 people, a little over 100 people on the phones. And so my journey has been really obsessed with you know, how do you, one, build out sales centers? How do you build up salespeople? How do you close people on the phone? I love cold calling. And then that transitioned me to going, well, how do I actually generate leads? Because there's a lot of companies out there that are really good at marketing and they suck at actual sales, like outbound cold calling. Then there's a lot of companies that are really good at outbound sales, but they suck at marketing. And I, I wanted to be able to do both. And so then, you know, that got me on the venture of how do we how do we generate leads? So we literally generate hundreds of thousands of leads every year for our own cold callers in here. And so that's kind of a short version of what's led us to today. You know, we're you know, we did a little over 40 million last year um, and just hopefully goal is to hit 100 million here soon. That would that would be the goal. Uh, in the next couple of years. I love it, man. That's that's incredible. And f- very impressive numbers, my man. 40 million last year alone? Yeah, it's uh, killing it, brother. Blessed, killing brother. it. We've been blessed. <clears throat> killing it, my man. Uh, I, I want to touch on a few of those points that you just shared with us. First off, the sales team, right? Yeah. The sales team. Having a sales team, you know, in, in, in any type of business, I mean, it's super important, especially when you're pushing, you know, of course, a digital product or you know, a, a physical product. But I, I've learned through my experience myself, and I've seen other people struggle with this is how do I put the sales team together? How do I keep people motivated to want to come to work every day? How do I make sure that these people are getting paid? Right? Do I pay them when they're not selling? Do I pay them a salary or 100% commission? You know, it's a, it's a tough challenge, you know, in the beginning is putting together a sales team. And for me, Many years ago, I started up a, uh, a small business, a little side hustle, and I got so excited. I put up a post. I, I said, hey, I'm looking for an intern to come sell for me. Somebody responded. Uh, they, they worked with me for about two weeks. I literally trained them on everything I know. They were gone. Just like that. Just oh, like that. They were like, hey, man, I got a different opportunity. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I just... Took two weeks of training you, man. Come on. All that wasted time. All that time, yeah. It's, you know, a lot of people deal with that, man. So let's talk about that. How do you build a successful sales team? Yeah, I mean, it's, 
Look, there's no magic bullet. I'm still trying to figure out, you know, systems that will help me do it at scale even better. I'll give you some of the things that I've learned over the years is one is that the thing that matters most is the person's belief in their hustle, you would call it, work ethic, grit, some people might say. And you've got to make sure you hire the right person personality-wise. So right now, what we've gotten to in our business is we use something called the PI, the predictive index. I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but there's a lot of different ones out there. There's like the DISC uh, Mm -hmm. assessment. There's the PI. We use the PI because what we have found is the PI is not going to determine fully if this person's going to make it as a salesperson, but it tends to tell us a person that won't make it. Meaning that we have found that when they take this, you know, short little five minute test, like we're looking for people with a high B, which is extroversion. Like they've got to be likable, outgoing people that it doesn't mean that all salespeople in every single industry have to be outgoing and likable, but specifically for our sale, like you need to be outgoing, likable. You need to have a high A. You need to be dominant, meaning you're independent. You're you're willing to, you know, I like to say is like you're willing to step outside of the rules. You're willing to walk in the gray area a little bit. Why do I say that's important? Because you got to be willing to ask for the order, which is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable a lot of times for people to close and ask for the order because in social norms, we're all taught to say yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. We're all taught to be super polite. You should be polite and respectable. You should never make someone feel pressured. But as a salesperson, if you don't ask, you don't receive. Mm -hmm. And so we want a high A, which is the dominance. Then we want a low C, which is patience. We don't want them to be patient at all because we know uh, someone that's not patient, well, they want to get the deal done. They want to they, they hit that next dial. They want to move fast through the process. And, and it tends to build you know, what we look for in a salesperson. And then the last characteristic of a PI is the uh, formality. So we don't want our salespeople to be super detail-oriented. Now, everybody who's listening to this, you might have a different industry. So you've got to adapt your PI personality-wise to what you're looking for in your salesperson. The way we did it, was we said, well, let's do the PI on our salespeople that are successful. And if it's just you, do it yourself and look at yourself and go, okay, who am I? And if I'm successful at the sale, how do I go find more people with a similar personality? So that's one thing to help you hire the right person. The second thing that you have to do is you have to implement systems because if you don't have a system, what happens is you can't hold people accountable. And accountability is like if the one thing I failed at so much early on in my career growing the business is that everything comes down to discipline. Everything comes down to the accountability of what you hold yourself to. So what does a system look like? A system looks like a script. What's the script that you use? A system looks like what's the minimum times you have to reach out to a client? What's the standard that you have for how fast you must respond to a client? These are things you need to implement for your sales team because it drives accountability. And with accountability comes the metrics to hold people accountable. So you start learning about your sale. But most importantly, people who tend to thrive in sales are like athletes. Like they, they want to figure out how do I improve? How do I get better? And they tend to not be very good with details. So if you can add that structure into their life, 
you're you're just improving their ability and you're keeping them focused. My best salespeople are the most unfocused people. Mm. It's crazy. And my job is to try to try to focus the men, focus the men so they can use their gifts. So those are a couple ways that right away I would say, hey, look, you gotta hire the right people. So you need to look at the the tools out there like a PI. I mean, they're super cost effective. And then second would be you need to implement systems. What's your script? And people should be saying similar process wise, the same thing every time, not the same words, same process every time. Then you need to, then you need to standardize how many dials does it take to get an appointment? How many appointments does it take to actually get a close? How many clothes actually go through those metrics will help people overcome the rough times in sales where you get rejected 99% of the time. Because if you know every hundred dials, I get a deal or I get an appointment. Well, you can get through the dials that reject you because you go, hey, I'm one step closer to that yes. I'm one step closer. But if you have no system, if you have no measurement, all of a sudden you get lost in a sauce. And I see this with new salespeople all the time. You start trying every different thing. You start dancing all over the place. You start changing your script. Maybe I'm not saying the right thing. You start changing the amount of times you call. The amount, you got to force yourself into a structure. See if the structure works. If it doesn't, tweak it a little bit. See if that works. And you build upon that till you have a system to where you can scale out to 100 salespeople. Mm, I love it, man. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to ask you, when you're making these calls, are these completely cold calls? Are these clients or prospects, I should say, putting in inquiry forms on your website or they have they expressed interest already or, or what, what does that look like for you? Uh, um, all sorts. So now we're lucky that, I mean, our marketing team is stellar. Uh, so they are producing so many form requests and stuff like that now, which is awesome. But every new person that comes in the door is cold calling. Mm. Like We call it the phone book, basically. Like yeah. they're, they're cold calling people that have never heard about us before. Or if they have, it's because of our brand recognition, not because we've been really marketing to them. And we started off cold calling, uh, calling people who had no idea who we are. Um, so it's kind of all over the board. Dude, I, I love it, man. You know, a, a lot of people are saying cold calling is, is, is a waste of time and it's dead and you shouldn't do it. And it's a waste of resources. But I couldn't disagree more. You know what Grant Cardone says there? He goes, cold calling is dead because you suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's that's definitely true. Uh, I mean, that might be too, that might be too abrasive. No, look, the traditional cold calling, you shouldn't have to call the phone book. Like, like I actually agree with that. Like, that's a waste. Like, why call the phone book? There's so many ways to generate leads so easily now that whether it's through social media, things like LinkedIn and Facebook and stuff that you should be able, you should be a great marketer and a great salesperson. So if you're just doing cold calling, I would say you're missing out. I'm not saying it's you're doing the wrong thing. You're just missing out on so much opportunity. I don't want my guys calling cold, cold leads. I only want that when they're new so they don't mess anything up for me. Absolutely. Let's go through the little bit of the hazing. It's, it's more, more so it's calculated cold calling, right? Yes. You're, you're targeting lists of people that are most likely going to buy from you. Exactly. Right. Especially in real estate, when you're calling people that might want to sell their house, they're meeting certain criteria. Yep. Right. You're not calling ultra cold leads and getting, you know, people to just hang up on you right away because, I mean, that still happens inevitably. But I, I, I agree with what you're saying. You know, spend your resources contacting the right people. Yep. And put 
some skills behind it to get that deal closed. Well, know? just always remember, too, I think this is a Grant card. I'd like to give credit where credit's due. I think this is a Grant card don't say. And it's like frequency before greatness. Meaning no matter what, it's like if you wake up every – if you're a real estate agent, listen to this. And you wake up every day and from 8 to 11, you pound the phones of the people in your community and just introduce yourself and just say, hey, are, do you need any help with real estate? Are you looking to buy or sell anytime soon? Is there anything I can do to be of service to you? If you do that, I guarantee you, you'll beat 90% of the agents in your market. Mm. Just guarantee it. I've worked with so many agents now. It's like consistency, frequency brings greatness. It's most people look for the magic bullet within marketing to grow their business. I'm a marketing company, right? So I've seen all, I shouldn't say I've seen everything, but I've seen so much out there when it comes to marketing. There is no magic formula in marketing. It's holistic marketing that works today. It's a combination of digital plus print, building a brand plus direct response. It's doing all those things well and in getting a couple different categories of lead generation that will work, but it's the consistency in it that really pays off. How do you feel about controversial marketing to get attention? Like uh, clickbait type stuff? Not necessarily clickbait, but maybe. Uh, but especially right now during the coronavirus pandemic, yeah. a lot of influencers are putting out some very interesting, not so popular opinion content. And it's yeah. getting a shit ton of engagement. Right, I don't want to drop any names, well, you know but, they but say, man, <laughs> all news is good news, right? Bad news is good news because it gets you eyeballs. I, I don't personally agree with that, but but you know, yeah, no, I don't. I I actually don't either. Here's what I would tell you: is that it depends on your brand and what you're trying to accomplish, right? So each person, like if I was coming into somebody's business that um, they were doing some controversial marketing, what you have to weigh is the short-term gain of the eyeballs to the long-term effects on the brand. Mm. And, and what do you want your brand to stand for? And when I say brand, I don't mean it from a marketing standpoint as much as I mean it from a company standpoint. What do you want to be known for? What What is it that you're passionate about? If you're causing controversy because of something you believe in, I freaking love that. I think you should double down on that. Meaning like if that's what you truly believe and it's causing controversy with people, oh, well, that is what it is. Because guess what? The people who want to do business with you are going to be drawn to you and you're going to get them and they're going to spend more money with you. They're going to stay longer because it's it's Seth Godin or whatever, the tribe mentality. You're building a tribe with those people. So this is why the people like Grant Cardone say 50% of the world hates me, 50% of the world loves me, both days I get paid, mm. right? This is why those people say that, like, because you're never going to sell everybody. When you're young in business, mentality-wise, I'm not talking age-wise, mentality-wise, you think you have to be everything to everybody. The older and wiser you get in business, you go, you actually get good and you don't want to work with people. It's like, no, I don't want to have you as a client. Like, I don't even want to work with you. And when you can get there with your mentality – then you really start succeeding because you know who you are. You know the value you bring to the table. You know what you want to represent. And if it's controversial because of that, then I'm all for it. Go for it. Why do you think – be authentic. Why do you think negative marketing, like negative videos, text, gets more engagement and attention than positive stuff? Well, because, I mean, it's – it's naturally like, why are the Kardashians? Why is keeping up with the Kardashians so popular? Because <laughs> it's I don't know. Because 
you don't want to watch your life every day. You're, you know what I mean? You, you live your life. You want to see people do wild things every day, but it's, it's disruptors, right? If you think of the psychology, right on Instagram, you want to get attention on Instagram right now. You got to be disruptive in the feed. So what are disruptive? Like, I mean, you could be super, like you could do something like a beautiful image, like if you put in a beautiful image in a feed, and I'm talking like it's crazy beautiful, it's going to stop people because it's disruptive in the flow uh, and it stands out in the mm. flow. And the same with like if you go, it's just easier a lot of times to say something controversial than it is to find a, a clickbaity headline or something like that. But you have to disrupt the flow. People are scrolling so fast on their phone to get them to stop. Like you have to have something that's disruptive. Uh, Dude, that's there. a golden nugget right there. Be disruptive. That's how you get attention, man. You're you right. Attention is scarce nowadays, man. It on is, Instagram, man. So Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, doesn't matter. It's scarce because yep, the amount of content out there, right? Yep. For every one piece of content you're making, there's a million other people creating content also. Right. So you got But that's why it's important out. that you're tra- you're you're making content for your tribe. Mm. Like I heard Russell Brunson recently talk about I don't know if you guys know who he is, but he's an incredible marketer with ClickFunnels and all that stuff, but I heard him talk about if you just double down and make content and he said do 100 episodes of something, right? 100 of something over the course of a year, he says I guarantee you you will find a tribe you will become comfortable and you will start getting yourself financially free. Like he was saying it was such conviction. And it was just the fact that like the key today is there's so much noise out there. You're doing a podcast. I'm doing a podcast. There's probably tons of people who are listening to this doing a podcast. Guess what? You're going to reach people that connect with you and I'm going to reach people that connect with me. And there's going to be some crossover and some not, but you just got to be you. Mm. And that's got to stem from your why. And if you want to talk about building a great sales team, the greatest salespeople have a great why. And and that's the cliche that you hear all the time. Oh, you got to have a, no, I'm talking about something that wakes you up in the morning, something that overcomes your fear. You don't like making those phone calls, get over it. Your why is not big enough. Not until your reason why is bigger than your fear will you be great not until you're willing to burn the ships as cortez says will you be able to actually have success like your why has to be so big that it overcomes your fear it doesn't get rid of your fear it's just it's more important to accomplish the why than it is to be fearful if that makes sense boom what's your why luke yeah man so i have two whys okay one is materialistic and the other one is is more important than the materialistic. Materialistic wise is I want to be financially free and I want to create financial freedom for generations to come in my family. Um, and in my family, I want to be one of those people that I know it's it's really materialistic. So it's kind of you feel bad. Hey, saying it out loud, I, I, but we like materialistic. Is, dude, I want I want my great great grandkids to be free. Mm. I don't want any any great great grandkids of mine to be begging for money on the side of the road or something like that. So so I'm super passionate about and there's more details to how, you know, I, I want to do that and not make people super, you know, I don't want a bunch of spoiled brats in my lineage or whatever they mm. call it. But the, the bigger why for me is driven out of, you know, the vision for our company is to help people live a life of freedom. And, you know, rich people, they don't chase riches. They chase, they chase freedom. 
And we want to add that in a small part to business owners by providing them marketing pieces in, in a platform of marketing where they don't have to worry about what they send. They don't have to worry about missing, you know, can, not connecting with a client because they sent the wrong thing or they didn't send anything at all. So we want to add that freedom to them to help really empower them to close more deals and retain more business. But me personally, my bigger why is I want to add freedom to people in their lives by pointing them to really what for me has been the ultimate foundation of my life, which is Jesus. And that, that, you know, Jesus has changed my life. He's given me a meaning and a purpose. And so my ultimate why is driven by pointing people there. And it's not preaching to people. It's not forcing religion on people or anything like that. It's loving people. It's, it's helping people and pointing them to, if you're looking for joy, happiness, and peace, if you're looking for those things, man, I, I've experienced those things through my freedom in, in Christ. And that's really what my ultimate why is. Mm. Awesome, man. I love it. You know, there's a lot of people out there that don't know what their why is. And it's a struggle for them because they want the riches. They want the wealth. They want to have generational freedom for their, you know, family to come. But they don't know what their why is. How do you find your why? Well, I think that's uh, unique to each person. It's, um, you know, you know, I think a lot of people, if you were looking for like a structure to help you find your why, I think writing your eulogy is a great exercise is what do you want it to be said about you on your tombstone? And what do you want your kids or whatever it is to say about you? I mean, I think that's a structure you could go through. I think you need to do, I think everybody has to do some soul searching of, you know, what do you want to be known for? What are, what are your passions? So if you're, if I was coaching you, you know, and I was going, Hey, look, trying to self-help as they would call it is, Hey, write down, what are you most passionate about? Where do you get the most joy? What do you want to be known for? What are the things that are important to you the most? Why do you do what you do right now? And it's okay. The answers of, I got to pay my bills and take care of my family. Those are good answers. We minimize those answers in society today, but those are good answers. Like someone's why can be, I want to be a great father. I want to be a great father and I want to provide for my family or whatever it is. Like that's a great why. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be, I want to be a multimillionaire, right? But um, if you're struggling to find your why, I would just challenge you to go and answer some of the fundamental questions. Hey, why are you here? What's your purpose? Um, what, and, and out of that, well, what brings you joy? What do you want people, what do you want to be known for? Um, and, and those things. And I think that would help you on that journey, but it's a personal journey for everyone. Powerful stuff, man. Absolutely. I, I, I completely agree. Uh, you have to, you have to figure out why you're doing something because if you don't know why you're doing something, it's easy out. to get, yeah, it's easy to get like misdirected through life, right? It's like, mm -hmm. well, why am I continuing to show up every day? Like, what is the outcome here? So for me personally, I like to start with the end in mind. Like, what am I looking to achieve? Like, what does the that. end result look like for me? Right. And uh, sometimes it's not always going to be clear. Sometimes it's, you know, you, you don't know what that is just yet, but you, you find out as you go. Yep. You know, you well, you hear, um, uh, I want to say it's Gary V. It's enjoying the process. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's a big thing, move, not movement, but, you know, a lot of coaches out there are now saying like find joy in the process. And I think that's powerful. Everybody's everybody's consumed with the destination, but true freedom comes in enjoying the, the ride.
mm. in, in finding joy in the process and the ride. And I think there's truth to that as well. So meaning like, I think for me personally, like the reason why the why is so important. I remember in our, one of our journeys uh, here at Reminder Media, we misprinted something on our marketing that went out and it ended up losing us an account that was worth $1.4 million. And I remember one of my corporate sales guy, I mean, he was literally out on the curve that day, head hanging down. I mean, it was crazy, man. It was like, we thought it felt like the world was coming down here. We lost that. Not only do we lose the account, which is like $1.4 million. We, you know, have all this fear of like, what is this going to do for our brand, everything like that. And it's in those moments in life that you have to have a really clear why and purpose because what gets you going and picking yourself back up it's not the results because the result was poor meaning like we just lost 1.4 million dollars meaning like the results aren't good right now i get you guys like it's the is you know the the why of going hey i'm gonna build it back And, and things are never as bad as they seem either like one of my VP of financial services, an older gentleman and years of experience and all this stuff. He said, you know what I've learned in life, Luke? He goes, the wolf in the closet always turns out to be a bunny rabbit. Meaning like you, you, you always freak out over these issues. Maybe you've seen this in your own real estate flipping business and stuff like that. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. And you start panicking over it and all these things. And then in the end, that ah, wasn't that bad. Mm. It's never as bad as it is. It, seems so that's i love that the the say that one more time the wolf in the closet in the closet he's been in financial services yeah i love that man that's powerful it always turns out to be a bunny right it's like it's like being afraid of the boogeyman as a kid you know is you think something's under your bed one day you look and there's nothing there right and you're like and how much we let that man consume us yeah (laughs) that that fear just is paralysis man yeah yeah, Correct. that that's true, man. I, I I like that a lot, and I'm curious the the one point four million dollar mistake. What was the misprint? Yeah, so we on our magazine, which is one of our flagship products, we accidentally printed a watermark of another company on the account. So we had a big corporate account, and we printed a a watermark of a competitive you know company on their marketing piece. And so it wasn't mass printed. It was only for a little bit of the run, but, you know, enough to do the damage. So what, what did we learn from that? I mean, there's, there's a couple of things. One is, well, we're human too. and We can make mistakes, but you have to have processes. So we fix processes, right? So it doesn't happen again. So you can't let history repeat itself. So you fix, pro- how did this happen? How did it happen at our printers? What is it? You know, all that type of stuff. And then two, we learned that, hey, look, it's, you can, it's you can make it do anything because we replaced that. I think it was like seven and a half months. We had replaced that whole account um, revenue wise and everything. So it was it was, you know, something that we learned that, man, we can overcome if we can overcome that back in the early years, mm-hmm. we can overcome a lot. Uh, it's a pretty big blow, though. I mean, oh, yeah. One point four million dollars. Holy <laughs> smokes. What did, did the client just say? We're, we're done. Cancel the, the contract like. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Holy smokes. That's, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I've, I've had, I definitely have had some challenges in my career, but not a $1.4 million challenge. Yeah. I wish I don't want to repeat it. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like what you it said though, right? You, you have to make sure that you don't make the same mistake twice, right? Yep. 
Like you don't you don't do that again because if you don't and it happens again, uh, at that point, you know, is it is it a choice? Like did you actually did you decide to do that again, right? Uh, and and the, that's the question. Like, can you make the same mistake twice? Mm. I don't know. I think it depends on the mistake. I will tell you something I did learn in, as I look back on it and I should share with everybody because hopefully people can learn from our mistake is, you know, yeah, they canceled on us right away, but there's always a process. It's not one phone call. And it's like you're done and everything like that. We probably didn't own the mistake the way we should have, um, if that makes sense. We mm. probably didn't. We probably didn't go above and beyond because we were small. We didn't have, you know, we weren't nearly as big as we are now, probably like money wise and everything like that, too. And so we tried to half own the mistake, if that makes sense, like half. I mean, it, it's like so one of the, my regrets is that I wish we kind of would have just from the get go just said, boom, our mistake. Not only are we going to own it fully. We're going to go, go above and beyond instead of like, I think a lot of times you go, Hey, I messed up the bottle. Let me give you a new bottle. I wish, and I'm holding a bottle here for everybody who's listening audio wise, but let me give you a new bottle. And it's like a tick for tat or whatever. Instead, I wish we would have gone, here's a new bottle. And not only that, I'm going to give you two more bottles and I'm going to do this extra thing for you mm. because you know, we're the best company to work for and are to work with. And here's why, like, I wish I would have done that, but you know why I didn't do that? Because I was too focused on the instant gratification and the instant cost of what those two bottles would cost me extra. And I ended up losing the long run. And the reason why I say that to everybody is because, because how we did it with that account, it did have a ripple effect for us in that industry for a little bit of time because, you know, things get around. So, you know, that's a classic. I'm sure. Hopefully, none of you will make that same mistake. You gotta, you gotta own own your mistakes and over deliver. Over deliver. I think client. is the key point there. You gotta own it, mm. but you gotta over deliver on the follow up. Dude, I used to work for this restaurant years back, and every time something was wrong, like a, a, a plate of food came out wrong or a drink was made wrong, the management would comp the entire bill. Wow. And yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Like you, you would expect the restaurant that does that would just be out of business. But that was their stance. It's like, hey, if we take care of we messed up, if we take care of these clients right now, they're going to come back. We're All not right. just going to take care of the thing we messed up on because, of course, we can remake it and we can take it off their bill. But we're going to go the extra mile. By doing that, they're going to come back again and again and again. We're going to make back the money, basically. Yep. And, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting uh, thought process there, right? I like well, that. Well, it's hard, especially when you don't have a lot of money. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I believe in over-delivering, right? Like, how can you over-deliver to your client as much as possible so that they continue to do business with you? Because, I mean, you and I both know your clients aren't bound to you, right? There's other marketing agencies out there, Right. My clients aren't bound to me. I mean, there's competition all over the place. Right. So it's like, how how do you keep your clients coming back to you? And what do your clients say about you behind closed doors? Right? I think one of the, the biggest blind spots business owners have when it comes to sales is the long-term or the lifetime value of a client. Mm. Meaning, like for us, like if you bought 50 of our magazines right here, we're focused. Okay. That's 200 bucks, right? 
But the lifetime value of Ross coming back for six, seven, eight, nine issues, that type of idea, I mean, that's thousands and thousands of dollars. So where you know you get lost in the sauce is that that's what that restaurant you're talking about did so well is they were thinking lifetime value of a client. Mm-hmm. Well, lifetime value of a client is hard to live with because you don't have that right now. <laughs> so, so me treating you like you're worth $3,000 to me, even though you haven't given me $3,000, is a hard thing to live out in action because you haven't given me $3,000. But I think as a business and principle-wise, and I've seen this play true in my own business, when you do that, when you treat a client based upon their lifetime value, not just their purchase, their ticket value of what they just bought, it's a big difference in experience and it's a big difference in getting referrals, a big difference in obviously maintaining that person for that lifetime value. Boom. Luke, I want to switch gears here a little bit. Um, We've been talking a lot about what you're doing right now and some of your common practices that you're, you know, running in your business. I want to take it back to when you were in community college and you started that first company and really talk about like the, the, the grind, right? Like you started up that company, you talked a little bit about the challenges that you faced, but like take us all the way back there. What do you think has led to your success so far? Like walk us through like that whole like early start, the hustle, the grind to get to where you are today. Yeah, I think the thing that has followed me as I look back and I go, why is it that I have been able to make it? Well, one is call it luck, call it blessing. You know what I mean? Is, you know, there's that, there's a, there's a lot of that out there and I'd be a fool not to admit it. But um, two is that I don't let the details stop me from taking action. I don't let the fear of not knowing stop me from taking action. And like, it's like in the first business of Nextmark Design, I didn't know how to program websites really in design websites, but yet I walk in, I remember specifically walking into this church conference room and there's a couple of, I guess, the board church board members there and the pastor of the church and stuff like that. And my brother, Dan, who has had, he was working for a web company at the time when we were starting this up and everything. He had done websites before, like he had experience. I had no experience, but I sat there and I just pitched them like, oh, we can do this website. We can, we can do this. We can do X, Y, and Z for you. And we walked out of that pitch and Dan goes, it's so funny, man, because I know so much more than you know, but your confidence level where most people wouldn't have that confidence present, you know why? Because they would be thinking, I've never done this before. Oh, what if I get something wrong? What if I don't say the right thing? And that's what holds people back so much. Like today in my business, I own 18 rental properties right now. And I'm starting up this rental side of of what I do, not with Reminder Media, but just me personally. And I'm starting that up and and I know nothing. I knew nothing about doing rental properties. And was this the right deal or is this not the right deal? And that type of idea. But me, I don't let it stop me. I don't let it stop me. I go in and guess what? Did I not make nearly as much money as I should have? I'm probably on the first, you know, (laughs) 18, probably. But guess what? I'm sitting here with 18 properties and you don't have any. That's the key. The key is, it's like we talk about the grind, which is true. You have to wake up every day and you have to work harder than everybody else. If you don't think you have to hustle 24-7 in the beginning, you got rocks for brains. This four-hour work week and stuff is amazing. 
And I, I think it's awesome. But in the beginning, man, you have to hustle. If you do four hour work weeks in the beginning, you ain't going to get there very fast. Mm. So you have to hustle in the beginning. But the point I guess I'm trying to make is that do not let the details hold you back. Go in and take action. You will figure out the details when you have to. And yes, you will not make as much money as you should have made on a deal. You will make mistakes, but guess what? You at least did something you got down the road. And most people, they never execute. They talk all day long. They never execute. Mm. And so my real journey has been, you know, I just do. I just go, yeah, that's it. And I just do. I just do it. And you know, what comes, you know, and I also have this mentality that, man, if, if this guy can do it, if Steve Jobs can create Apple, what, I can't do reminder media, right? Like, is his brain that much better, right? And you got to have that mentality, yeah. guys. You, you got to look at your peers and go, dude, if this guy, if, if Luke Akery, this wacko who's on this podcast can run a 40 plus million dollar business and all this stuff, then I can, you can. It is literally wake up and execute. Wake up and, and do the things and think outside of the box. There's no magic process. So I look back now and I go, man, we spent so much time trying to create the wheel when it's not real. You don't have to recreate the wheel. Just be the Facebook to MySpace. Be the MySpace to Friendster. Meaning like the success leaves clues. That's what Tony Robbins teaches. I love freaking Tony Robbins. Success leaves clues. Don't get out there and try to recreate the wheel. Get out there and just do the principles that you know drive success. There's a lot of successful people out there. And just look at what they do, not what they say. Mm. Dude, I love it, man. Luke bringing the heat, brother. I love it, man. You're preaching to my soul right now. (laughs) That might be because my dad's a preacher. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I'm all about, man. Um, You know, Luke, people like you and I, we're doers, right? We, we do, we execute. We know that ideas are worthless unless you execute them. We're not afraid to fail, right? We're not afraid to, you know, get kicked off the horse. We're going to get back up. Winners win regardless. But there are people out there right now that still want the end result. They want the end result. They want prosperity, but they're afraid. They have fear that literally holds them down. And Talk is cheap sometimes to them, right? Because you can talk, 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 and they can listen to this, but they don't know how to do because of that fear and anxiety. What would you say to that person listening right now? I'll give you the advice my my wife's grandfather gave me. So this guy is super successful. Um, You know, I, I only know him now through my marriage, right? So I don't have like an incredible relationship or, but I asked him one time, I said, is 70 plus years old. What's your secret to success? You know, how have you made it to where you've made it? I mean, he owned like one of the largest orchards in the United States at one point doing produce and stuff like that. And he goes, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. Mm. So here's my advice to everybody who can't overcome your fear. Get up, get out of bed. That's the first step. Get up and get out of bed. Get out of bed at an early time. Don't sleep in until 10 o'clock. Get up. That's simple. It's something you can do. Keep that promise to yourself. See, when you set a goal and you achieve that goal, that you've kept a promise to yourself. And that promise, that, that triggers this, those endorphins and everything called the dopamine or whatever it is that Simon Sinek has talked about so eloquently. Like it triggers that for you. When you keep a promise to yourself and a commitment, 
you're, 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 you know, triggering those endorphins. Keep that promise. So first step gets yourself out of bed. Second step. So you focus on body, mind, and spirit, meaning like you got to feed your well, you're a bank account. What are you reading? If you're discouraged right now, if you're depressed right now, if you live in fear right now, what are you filling your mind with? Turn Netflix off, right? There's nothing inherently wrong with Netflix, but if you're in a state of depression and you can't move, start filling your mind with something that will benefit you. Pick up a book, a self-help book. Pick up Tony Robbins' book, you know, Awaken the Giant Within. Pick up a book like uh, Rick Warren wrote, The Purpose Driven Life. Start filling your bank account because guess what? When you hit walls in your life, you're going to look internally to that bank. And if you've made deposits, if you put deposits in that bank, you're going to have something to withdraw from. But if you put no deposits, the only thing you've put in your bank account is the Tiger King from Netflix. Well, good luck. You're not going to have a lot to motivate you there. So first step, it's simple. Put one foot in front of the other. Get out of bed. Second step, fill your heart and mind with things that will actually encourage you. Mm. Third step, what is the goal you want to achieve and what is a behavior that will help you get that result? So Ricky Carruth, big time agent in Alabama, does a million dollars in commission a year just himself. The guy's unbelievable for years and years and years. And he talks about you can't really control the result, but you can control the behaviors you do. So what are the behaviors that you can control? And that's what you want to focus on. And don't overwhelm yourself. Don't give yourself an incredible, like if you're trying to lose weight right now, don't try to kill yourself by cutting all the sugar out and all those things because you're never going to be able to maintain that. You got to you got to make it like a lifestyle. So just tweak yourself a little bit, tweak a behavior, wake up earlier. That's a behavior. Make 10 phone calls a day. That's a behavior you can control. What are the behaviors that drive the results? Focus on the behaviors. That's what I would encourage you to do. And then just the truth is you got to get over yourself. You're weak. It's the truth. It's like when I don't accomplish things because I'm weak, it's because I let my mind control my body and I let my I let my depression control my body. And I realize that I have to overcome that. It's discipline. I have to take extreme ownership for that. And when I take extreme ownership as that, you know, Jocko guy I wrote about at mm. that point, then I can start battling it. It doesn't mean I don't fail. You will fail. Failure is good. You will have days where you don't wake up at the 4.30 or whatever goal because I set a goal for myself of getting to the gym at 4.30 a.m. every morning. And there were days I didn't make it. You'll have failure. Failure doesn't define you. What defines you is, is how you actually continue on. Character is not something built in a day. Character is judged over multiple days. It's like integrity. Integrity is who you are when people aren't looking. Character is what you can do consistently, not something you do in a day. So that's just a little bit of my advice. I love it, bro. I love it. So many golden nuggets right there. Um, You're obviously somebody that consumes a lot of information, right? You're, you're quoting some big names in the industry, books. uh, I mean, what does your, what does your mindset regimen look like? Like how many books are you reading a, a week, a month? What kind of information are you consuming? No, I, I love that. So I think, you know, obviously what you fill your mind with comes out in your actions. Um, so, you know, regiment wise, I don't have a strict regiment um, of consumption uh, that I do. I, I want to read at least 12 books a year. So one book a month. I consume now a lot more podcasts. Uh, than I used to. So now, like, I'm a huge fan. If you guys don't know who Ed Milet is, huge fan of this guy, man, this max out guy. Like, this guy's unbelievable. I would encourage you. So if you're like me, you probably have, 
I don't really have ADD, meaning like I don't want to minimize the people who do have ADD, but meaning like that, it's hard for me to stay focused on one thing constantly. And, and books are harder and harder for me to get through the whole book. I mean, I don't know if you can see probably my background here. Like I have a windowsill full of books that, you know, I've read and stuff, but it's harder for me to do that now. So I'm listening to podcasts every day. I'm checking a lot of like new sites for my specialty. So that's a sales tip I will give you is that like I read inmannews.com, which is the number one real estate news site out there. And, and it's the reason why I do that is because a specialist always outsells a generalist. I want to understand my clients' industries better than they do. I want to know them, the language, the lingo, the pain points, what's happening. So I consume a lot of news of the industries that I work in. So that's one of the things I do mindset wise. I also, you know, obviously I'm a person of faith. So the scriptures, I believe, are the, is the best business book in the world because it's, it's all about the human condition and, and humanity. So, you know, that's something that I try to do often. Uh, but I don't have a strict regimen of I have to read five books a month or something like that. Mm. You got to, you got to consume the right information, right? Um, a lot of people out there right now, and, and, and you, you, you mentioned this earlier, they want big results, but they're consuming a bunch of bull stuff, bullshit, man, a, a bunch of crap, you know, uh, like, like the tiger King. They're too worried about, about the stuff that's not going to oh, better. Full them. disclosure. I watched the tiger. Yeah, King. I, look, <laughs> so look, there's nothing wrong with entertainment, right? I, I believe in work-life balance. I do. I believe that there is a time where you just need to disconnect and enjoy. Right? Sure. Yeah. But you do that when you, when you've gotten your results, when you've made some money, right? Uh, you don't do that when you're, you're freaking out about paying your rent next month, right? You yeah. need to be locked in. Paying I would tell you, I would uh, give you a spin on the work-life balance that I call it work-life integration. Mm. Like it's not about balance. You're not going to find balance. Like I hate to say this way, you know, you're not going to find balance in like separating your personal life from your work life. It's one and the same. You got to integrate it. Jeff Bezos calls it a circle. It's all connected. It's all connected. And, and the really successful people bring their work into their life, into their personal life and their personal life into their work from this perspective. It's like my wife. I want my wife to be a part of my journey here at Reminder Media. I don't separate my family from what I have. At my work. So it's like work-life integration. It's choices. Mm. You got to make the choices. And I love what you're saying, man. It's like the, the choice of saying, hey, I'm going to spend time with my family and watch Tiger King for entertainment. That's a great choice. If that's what you need in your life to, to enjoy your life, that's a great choice at that point. Work-life integration. You know what I mean? Luke, how do you build company culture? Right. And, 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 and I'm very interested to learn from you on this personally, because that's something that I've struggled with is how do I make people excited about the culture, the company? How do you even create culture? Right. You have a product, you're making sales, the revenue's coming in. But there's no like culture between your staff and your clients. Yeah, no, I get that. I think culture, good culture is done organically. So culture is not ping pong tables and pool tables and snacks. And even though we have ping pong tables at our company, we have snacks at our company, all this Dude, thing. are you hiring, bro? I might need, yeah. to, I might need to come in for a job, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so we have all those things and they're great things. Um, I don't think they define a culture. A culture a lot of times is organically grown and, it's some, and it comes out of the founder's vision 
right? It comes out of the, and it's not even, I shouldn't even say the founder because it shouldn't be delivered to just one person. It comes out of the vision, mm. right? So let's take the, the Philadelphia Eagles when they won the Super Bowl, right? Because I'm here in Philly and they won the Super Bowl. They had a common vision and their vision was to bring home that Lombardi trophy here to Philadelphia, man. That, that was their vision. Like they had that vision and their culture naturally grew to being the, the underdogs, the hungry dogs run faster, that type of idea. They got that culture because it stemmed from their work ethic to accomplish the vision. And so like our culture here at Reminder Media is a super high performance culture and your culture is going to be set, set by your vision and then the standards you have to obtain that vision. Your standards are everything. And so what people are going to do is they're going to watch you as the owner of the company, you as the founder. They're going to say, who is this person and what's their vision? And is their vision big enough that I can fit inside of that vision? Ed Milet talks about your vision. You have to be evangelical about your vision, right? You have to quit create a movement because when you create a movement, man, people do whatever it takes. Mm. And so you have to be as the leader, someone who creates this vision that reinforces the vision that points people to the vision 24 seven, and then has standards that upholds the vision and all of your culture will flow from that. Right? So if you don't want to have lazy people in your culture, well, your standard better be, you don't accept laziness mm. and you better hold to that for yourself. And for everybody. And that will just flow throughout the organization. So where do people like how do people do this from an HR standpoint or from a like a structure standpoint? Well, you got to put your vision down on paper. That's what you want to see the world as like when when this is over, when Ross is done with his business, he wants to have created a world that accomplishes X. That's his vision. How do you do that? Well, that plays into your mission. Technically, what do you do tactically every single day? So Reminder Media's vision, we want to help people live a life of freedom. We want to create freedom in the lives of business owners. Our mission, though, to do that, what we do every single day to help Ross live a life of freedom, our mission is to empower our clients to close more deals and retain more business. So in everything we do, when I stop my accountant in the hallway, hey, man, what'd you do today? Oh, I process payroll. Hey, tell me how processing payroll empowers our clients to close more deals and retain more business. How does it help our clients ultimately accomplish that mission, which will fulfill the vision of helping them live a life of freedom? And that sounds crazy, right? I sound insane. But man, I want my accountant to be able to go, hey, Luke, I process payroll. And guess what? People are going to get paid. And if our employees get paid, guess what? They're excited because it helps them live a life of freedom and pay their Mm. bills. And guess what? When they're excited, they're going to want to make more phone calls. And when they make more phone calls, they're going to talk to more clients. And when they talk to more clients, they're going to be able to help clients use products like American Lifestyle Magazine. And we know American American Lifestyle Magazine empowers clients to close more deals and retain more business. I want my accountant to know that. Mm. I want the, So the standard I have in my organization, you better know how your job affects the vision and the mission. Because when you bring it down to that, that is what gets people either growing up the organization because they believe in it or growing out the organization. You can't settle, man. You can't like too many of us just settle. Even myself, it's like, don't settle. Don't settle for a second because you're going to find the people who believe what you believe. And Simon Sinek says it best when he says, start with the why. The best companies, it's it's the why. And, and they're not getting up there talking about what they do. They're talking about why they do it. 
and you want to attract the people who believe in the same why. Diverse in technical skills, diverse in thought process, diversity in the sense of accomplishing the goal, but the same belief, if that makes sense. That's how you create culture, my in man. my personal opinion. My man, it sounds like a TED talk right there. I love it, brother. Dude, you're awesome, man. Like, are, Have you ever considered doing like speaking engagements and things like that, man? Um, I mean, we've thought about it. I've done some speaking. I, I really appreciate it, by the way. Thank you so much for the compliment. And thank you to all the listeners for listening. I really appreciate everybody listening. Um, we thought about it. I mean, the podcasting is kind of where I do most of the speaking. But yeah, I mean, if God willing, on man, stage, man. present themselves, would love to. Yeah, brother. You belong on stage, my man. Get you at the next 10x growth con, brother. <laughs> Thanks, <man. laughs> dude. That's awesome, man. Uh, I want to talk about the the future for you, Luke. With Reminder Media, if you were to snap your fingers, you're 10 years, 15 years into the future. What does your operation look like? Yeah, um, I think technically it looks um, a lot more people. We have 220 people. I think we're going to grow to 700 to a thousand people. I'd love to be international, meaning go to Canada, go to Europe. I think marketing obviously transcends just the United States. So I'd love to go international. You know, our, we want to become a player in the space of marketing. Like if you think of like the hundred pound or thousand pound gorilla, like GoDaddy has like 19 million small business clients. I worked with 38,000 last year. So what I tell my team all the time to get them excited, you don't think we can work with a couple hundred thousand if GoDaddy is working with 19 million, let alone a million, right? 10X our business, that type of idea. Like, you don't think we can do that. So I think for us, you know, we want to be bigger than we are now, people-wise, product-wise, and then ultimately we want to see if we can start competing in, you know, the space with the GoDaddies of the world and, and the web.coms and, and those people. Mm. That would be unbelievable. I love it, man. I, I believe you'll do it. I believe Thanks, you, you keep that, that momentum up, bro. You'll do it. Uh, and I'm super excited to see what's to come for you, Luke. Um, every time I have a guest here on the show, I ask them the same question. And I'd like to extend that question to you uh, if that's cool. Yes? Absolutely. All right, man. It's a deep one. In your entire life so far, what has been the absolute best advice you've ever received? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. So I'm going to go right where my heart went in the beginning. Okay. And um, I think it's helped me a ton is my mom shared with me one time, um, literally said life's about relationships. And, you know, I think that's so true in business. And I think that's so true in the meaning of life. And, you know, this whole podcast, we're talking about success and all those things. And, you know, my mom. And so it's just been a guiding light for me of, you know, look, you can get ahead sometimes by not caring about people. Let's just be honest. You can get ahead sometimes by, you know, being a little rough around the edges. Let's just say I don't know how to put it politely. But I think when the, it comes to the end of the day, what's a core principle that guides me is, is life's about relationships. My whole business, Reminder Media, is about relationships. It's about helping people connect with their clients in a relationship way. But more and deeper than that, it's about relationships. And I think when you understand that, it helps guide you. It's not about money. It's not about rental properties. It's not about um, having a thousand employees. All those things are good things. 
but it's about relationships. And all you can take with you at the end of the day are the memories that you've created and the life you've lived and the relationships that you've impacted and the relationships that have impacted you. So Boom. that's that's what I would I say. I love it, man. Life's about relationships. Great advice. And with that being said, Luke, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show. It was a pleasure chatting up with you. You got me fired up, brother. I'm about to go 100x my life right now. <laughs> so uh, absolute pleasure again, man. And uh, I look forward to staying connected, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Ross. All right, brother. Take care. All right, all right, my friends. And that wraps up episode number 20 of the Started Somewhere podcast. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And I also want to thank Luke for joining and dropping in so much value for our community here. If you did enjoy the episode, please go ahead and subscribe to the show. Give us some feedback. And of course, we'll see you in the next episode. Take care.